Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Welcome back. Episode 111, 111. Happy New Year's. What is she talking about? Happy New Year's. You know Rosh Hashanah is coming up September 25th, and this is our new year. So everybody's like, what's the new year resolution? So I'm already about to go to another level. I already have my little business plan written out. I'm going to bigger heights. Um, for the announcements today, I just told you Rosh Hashanah, September 25th through the 27th. Also, we have Yom Kippur, and that's where your fast and your atonement, uh, asking for forgiveness for those 10 days. And then on October 4th through the 5th is when you do your 25-hour fast. And so I'm saying it every week to make a change so you can go into the new year ready. This is our new year. This is our month, right? And so I'm really excited about it. Um, so if you want to make a change, you got to do things differently. I know I do real estate, so I'm looking forward to next year being a broker. And that being said, right now there's a program out there, and this is taking uh, mortgages to another level. Bank of America is giving uh, Hebrew Israelites, Black Americans, you know, they label us all kinds of things, and Hispanics loans with zero down. So you can get a house with no money down. Usually you have to have ten dollars to $15,000 on hand. So that's taking it to another level. Now, you know, a lot of times we'll buy cars. As soon as you drive off the lot, a car depreciates, right? A house is always going to appreciate. A house is a good investment. If something goes wrong, uh, whether you go to jail or something, you have collateral to put up. Um, if you need some money for your child to go to school, you have some collateral to put up, right? You can put that up. You can uh, get a loan against your equity. If you don't know about these things, call me. I will help you. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm open to brokerage so I can teach us about the land, about selling land. It don't matter what kind of job you have. As long as you can walk, you can always sell a house, right? And so I'm excited about this year. Um, my husband and I, we were in, in a car accident this week, uh, a, a fender bender where they ended us. And then when I got home and I was looking on the news, people died on the highway. So I thank Yahshua and Yahweh for covering us in the blood, for covering us in his anointing where we weren't killed on the highway. And I pray for those families uh, who didn't make it. Okay. And so uh, the Lord put on my, my spirit this week about the fatherless children, um, the fatherless children. If you look, look at Psalm 82, three through four, it says, defend the poor and the fatherless, defend them, do justice to the afflicted and needy. It says, free them from the hand of the wicked. So when I'm giving you this information about the houses, I'm trying to free you what? From the hand of the wicked, right? Because that's, that's me trying to make you go to another level, generational wealth. And Deuteronomy 10 and 18 says, he defends, Yeshua defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. And he loves the aliens. He gives him food and clothing. Why is she telling us these scriptures? I'm telling you these scriptures because you can give that back to the Lord. His word doesn't go void. So something is going on in your life you can say, Lord, you said you'll defend the fatherless and the widow and the aliens. We're aliens here in, in the United States, in case you didn't know. We're the foreigners, in case you didn't know. We've been preaching this, but in case you need to catch up. He says he'll give them food and clothing. God, you said you'll give me food and clothing. You give them his word back, it won't go void. 
that's effective praying. You know, you can pray and 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 have a talk with the Lord, but ain't nothing like giving him his word back because his word doesn't go void. That gets his attention. What? She said that. Yeah, I said that. It doesn't go void. Okay. And so about the fatherless children, I am one of them. Now I know we have our Abba, our father in heaven, but I didn't come up with the father in the household. And my son didn't come up with the father in the household. I was protected over him. My mother was protective over me, but it's nothing like having a father, a protector and a covering. And that's what we have to get, get right. We would like for you to marry the women, but if you don't, that doesn't mean you can't take care of your child. And if you have those type of women, because they're out there that don't want you to see your child, you, there's, the law is for the lawless. You can go to court and say, I need visitation rights for my child. We need for you men to show up and be there for your child. And these women, if you have had your, your, your father in your life, then you know if they were a loving father, they were kind, that's the type of man you want to marry. So if that's not the man who's trying to marry you, then you already have your answer. Think about your father, how much he loved you, how he would go out his way for you, how he would coddle you, how he would protect you. And if a man is asking you to marry him and he's not that, you might want to think twice. That's your answer. I'm talking to someone, telling you this for a reason. And so um, God bless the fatherless children. God, thank you for being a protection over us. Thank you for watching over us and leading us and guiding us because you're our everything. And I'm going to play a, a song because God is our everything. Anybody want to elaborate on what, what I just said uh, before I go on to my song? Okay. All right, I'll give you time to think about it. And uh, I'm just going to go to a song. It's a happy song. Happy in our spirit. Our New Year's coming up. We still here. We made it. Hey. We do not own the rights to this music. Hey, you get up, you can dance at the club. You can get up and dance for the Lord. Take my hope for tomorrow. That's what God is. Can you all hear? We can now. Do a redo, not a rewind. 
keep going. Hey. He's my rock. That's what he is. had to give him some praise.
<clears throat> okay, we pray for our uh, Rabbi uh, Optional Benya Cole as they're on their trip. We uh, thank everyone who's on the panel, the ministers, the teachers, the preachers, the rabbis. Uh, Minister Griff, he's going to deliver our word today. He go like this. I don't know what that means, but that's... He's, he's, that's a teacher thing right there. Poetry. He's delivering the word today. Mm -hmm. So our uh, parish uh, this week is Deuteronomy 16 through 21 up to the ninth, ninth verse. The new parasha, and you want to read this every week, is Deuteronomy, the 21st chapter, 10th verse, up to the 25th chapter, the 19th verse in Deuteronomy. So we come into the end. So Deuteronomy is the end of our what? Torah, our five books. And then we start over again. We go back, right? And so that's what you do. Because each time when you read it, you're going to get something different, right? Because you're, you're, you're what? The, the revolution, what you call it, you're, uh, it, what am I trying to say? You're evolving. That's what I'm trying to say. And so each time you're learning and you're going to see something different. I know each time I do every year I read it. Okay. And so that being said, Minister Griff, uh, you go ahead and you have it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, uh, Sister Easter. Uh, first and foremost, let's start with a quick prayer. Blessed are you, Elohim, ruler of the universe. Blessed are you, Elohim, sustainer of life. Bless you, Elohim, for you are one. Okay, so good to be on teaching again today. Thank you for passing that over to me, Sister Easter. You know, one thing I always say about the fatherless um, here in America and the widows is um, there are a lot of folks who I believe are, you know, single parents who are, who should be considered widows, right? Because even though the father may still be alive, He's dead to them. I know that was a case in my own life where I had a father that was alive, but he was never there, never around, never contributed anything. And so, I mean, for the most part, you had to exist as a widow. Um, and so, you know, just to just to connect that, just to give a shout out to all the single parents uh, that are doing this job, especially in our community, uh, without someone there to lean on, without someone there to um, to help guide that child, you know. That's that's and, and from my view, that's, you know, being a widow. And so just wanted to make that connection. Um, had an interesting question yesterday to that point as well. Of Can a woman raise a man to be a man? It's a very interesting question. Right. It's a very interesting question um, because we know that in God's law, we know that he has a, an established system which is supposed to operate on this earth with an established order. Um, and so, you know, we won't, we won't dive into that right now, but that's an interesting question that one day maybe we should talk more about, but I know. Yeah, I, I think next week we should get into that uh, about that subject because it's a subject that's affecting a lot of us. And if it doesn't yes. affect you and, you know, I, I've been reading up on it. One out of four children come up fatherless. One out of four. That's a lot. Wow. In the United States, one out of four. And you know why the biggest reason the, the men say they walk away? They said because we can't supply emotional and financial support for this child. Mm -hmm. And Bill, your father said the same thing. He said yeah. financial. He said, I don't have the financial support, so I don't want to be around him if I don't have anything. And then I try to convince him, hey, it's not always about money. Just spend some time with him. But some some of them feel like they're failures. They're not built like that. So that's the discussion 
we need to have. We do need to have that talk. And that's why I love the Hebrew Congregation of Houston, because we address these social issues that we're dealing with. Easter keeping it real. Yeah, so I would love, yeah, we should definitely do a keeping it real topic on that. I think we'll get some uh, great conversation and, you know, folks will have something to uh, pull from that. And so uh, we should definitely, you know, I know that's a bigger topic. That's why I'm saying, I, you know, it reminded me of that, but not to dive into it right now, but let's definitely get back to that here in the near future. Um, but speaking along those same lines, the Parashat for this week, uh, Parashat Shoftim, it's all about justice, right? It's all about uh, appointing judges and God's justice in the uh, nation of Israel. And so we're going to read a couple of different uh, passages today. I'm going to pull from the Brit Hadishah today, otherwise known as the New Testament. I'm going to pull pretty heavily from there today because uh, first, first and foremost, that's just who I am as a teacher and as a believer. Uh, but secondly, that is uh, when we get to Yeshua, I think we see a lot of God's justice being administered here on earth. And uh, the interpretation of justice from the law, I believe that he lives out. Um, so we'll pull pretty heavily from there. I want to be questioning today, so please come ready uh, to have conversation. I got some questions for us uh, and some pretty interesting matters here. But I wanted to start before we do anything. I wanted to start with the supplementary reading to the um, to the parasha today, which is called the Haftarah, right? Which is always every parasha. There's a supplementary reading called the Haftarah. So I wanted to start there today because. I believe the Haftarah for this week, it is a true plea to the Israelites. It's a true plea that rings the generations uh, for us to wake up and to return to our first love. So I wanted to read that first, and we won't have to discuss it fully, but I just wanted to read it so that anybody listening can hear these words and it can resonate in their spirit. So let me start there. I'm going to pull up my screen here, and so just so you can see it and read it along with me. But the Haftarah, while I'm doing that, is Isaiah 51. Uh, verse 12 through Isaiah 52, verse 12. And, um, you know, my son's name is Zion Isaiah. And so this is actually the first, um, this is the first scripture, the first book that he read, we read together was Isaiah. And so Isaiah has a special place in my heart. Um, part of the reason why I named my son the way I did, but Isaiah, is, you know, it just talks all about, you know, uh, justice and calling the Hebrews back and, uh, you know, the children of Zion. So, it, you know, it's just so much in there that's uh, so packed for who we are. But I wanted to read this out loud. This is what I just want you to hear what's being said here, especially uh, the children, the seed of Abraham to my Semitic brothers and sisters out there. Hear what's being said here and let this resonate in your spirit. So I'm going to read this out loud. Uh, I'm actually going to change the version to the tree of life version. Again, I read from the tree of life version because it um, stays very close to the Hebrew translation, and it also uh, gives you a lot of words in their original Hebrew. And so Isaiah 51, 12 through 52, 12. I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies, of the son of man who is made like grass, and have forgotten the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth, and you fear continually all the day because of the wrath of the oppressor when he sets himself to destroy. And where is the wrath of the oppressor? He who was bowed down shall speedily be released. He shall not die and go down to the pit. Neither shall his bread be lacking. 
I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth and covered you in the shadow of my hand, establishing the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion, you are my people. Amen. Wake yourself. Wake yourself. Stand up, O Jerusalem. You who have drunk from the hand of the Lord, the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs, the bowl, the cup of staggering. There is none to guide her among all the sons she has born. There is none to take her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. These two things have happened to you. Who will console you? Devastation and destruction, famine and sword. Who will comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of every street like an antelope in a net. They are full of the wrath of the Lord, the, rebu the rebuke of your God. Therefore, hear this, you who are afflicted, who are drunk but not with wine. Thus says your Lord, the Lord, your God who pleased the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken from your hand the cup of staggering, the bowl of my wrath. You shall drink no more, and I'll put it into the hand of your tormentors, who, said, who have said to you, bow down, that we may pass over. And you have made your back like the ground. And like the street for them to pass over, my God, you have made your back like the ground and like the street for them to pass over. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem, loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, you were sold for nothing, my God, you were sold for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord God, my people went down at the first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrians oppressed them for nothing. Now, therefore, what have I here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing. Their rulers will, declares the Lord, and continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day, they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. Mm -hmm. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth together into singing. You waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has barred his holy arm. Excuse me. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart. Depart. Go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Purify yourselves. You who bear the vessels of the Lord. You shall not go out in haste. And you shall not go out in flight. For the Lord will go before you. And the God of Israel will be your rear God, your rear guard. My God. Amen. Amen. I just wanted to read that. If anybody wants to take a second and respond to that, I open it. I open the um, I open it up for that. But that there, man, if that isn't our literal story as members of the, of the diaspora here today, members of, of uh, the people who have been misplaced to the transatlantic slave trade. If this isn't our entire story from what, where we came from to where we're going, then I don't know what is. Um, I just found this to be just so enlightening and so perfect uh, to talk about our experience here in America and uh, what's going on with us. 
And so I had to read that one in full today. So I'll give a second if anybody wants to respond to that. Any quotes that jumped out to you or anything you want to say to follow up, I'll open the floor for that at this time. Well, that's what the Hebrew congregation is about. What we talk about awakening your identity and move forward. Everything that's in there is about that. Awaken. He said, like the streets, people been walking on you, your back, like the street. He said, break those chains. You're awake now. Man. We we don't we don't we don't have to be somebody's doormat anymore. You know your identity. You know who you are. You are his people. Zion, awaken. Israel. The Hebrew Israelites, he's, he, all the resources are here. Literally, Sister Easter, everything that we are is, encom is uh, encompassed in this passage right here. Yeah. Everything. Awaken, awaken. Stop uh, laying your back like the streets so that they walk all over you. I mean, everything. Right. The Lord God who, plead, who pleads his case is coming back for his people. He's going to uh, free it. You know, everything is right here. And so... Um, when I read this, and he said, quit acting drunk. You're not even drunk off of a drink. You, that's yep. stupidity. Mm -hmm. And today when I was dancing around, I was drunk off the Holy Spirit of him sparing my life. Mm -hmm. I, I ain't had nothing to drink today. Some water and Mountain Dew, but I, I was dancing around the Holy Ghost. What's, what's drunkness you're going to get? You're going to wake up or you're going to drink and, and be drunk because of the misery that the United States has caused upon us. To get away from the pain and the thoughts. Today's a new day. Grab your child. Teach them. It's not too late. You don't have to live with that guilt anymore. Amen. Yeah. What struck a chord with me, I guess I kept hearing this song. My grandmother would always sing. Um, um, Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed thee. I have called you by my name. You are mine. Because, um, and then all of a sudden, when you got to verse nine, I was like, oh, okay. You know, it was like, I'm reading from the Sephir, of course, but it was saying, break forth into joy, sing together, ye waste places of Yerushalayim, for Yahuwah has comforted his people. He has redeemed Yerushalayim. And so I was like, I guess all throughout that, even in the good and bad, you know, of that, that prophecy, there was, there was still that. It was, I guess that was the spirit that was in it where it's like, do not be afraid for I, I have redeemed thee. I've called you by my name and you are mine. So I will return you back. I will redeem you. I, no one will buy you, but I will, you know? And, and so that's, that's for some reason, what just kept resonating with me. Amen. Amen. And, and that's so beautiful. Thank y'all both for, uh, that input there. I mean, this is just like, if you again, want to understand the journey of the Hebrew Israelites, all in one passage read this right here and he I'm said it here everything. my name is blasphemy and i just talked blasphemy. about that jesus they didn't change his whole name mm -hmm. blasphemy yeah everything everything is right here so and i just wanted to read that his, his people the the, the pig y'all eat these chitlins and stuff because everything everything we know about because <laughs> we read the bible we gonna make y'all eat it we're going to make y'all change the day to Sunday. Everything that's about you all, we're going to change it. And you know who we're going to use? The preachers and the pastors to do it. Yeah. We're going to use them to do it because they're under uh, our submission. They don't want to die. So we're going to make them teach it because we know y'all listen to them. Mm -hmm. And to but that point, there's, there's none to, to guide her. Yep. To that point, there's none to guide her. Speaking about Jerusalem, how long have we gone 
without guides, without folks who can get us back, without a without a rabbi, right, who can get us back uh, to who we are and to our covenant agreement. How long have we gone? I mean, it says wake up so many times here. And I, I love, I'm going to contrast this wake yourself with what it means to be woke in today's culture, because we hear that a lot, right? Oh, you know, I'm woke. You know, that means I understand the struggle. I understand these different systems of oppression, things like that. But are you really awake? Are you really woke? I, I, I would challenge that, but we'll talk more about that here soon. But um, it's just all throughout this. So I just wanted to read this uh, out loud because it was just so powerful when I read it. it. You know, it really was just working on my spirit when I was reading this and just like, man, this is so, it's so powerful. It's beautiful. And it's also condemning all at once because he is the one who comforts us. And he's showing us that we're drinking from this, this cup of wrath but that he has redeemed us. I mean, it literally says in here, you have been sold uh, without value. You know, you have been redeemed. Um, you know, all this, it, it's all said in here. And Oppre so- Oppressed without cause. Oppressed without cause. I mean, everything is all in here. It's all in here. And so um, I just wanted to read that one to start out today. Um, and, you know, we can follow up on that later on, but I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to get done on time today, sister. So I'm gonna try to make it happen today. So- Getting my timing down. <laughs> okay, so uh, quick uh, word of the day. Uh, two words. So the parashah today is shoftim. And uh, two words I wanted to teach you from the Hebrew today. First of all, uh, shoftim means judge or judges, right? Well, actually it means judges. It's the, it's the plural form, so it means judges. So shoftim, um, S-H-O-F-T-I-M, and it means judges. And again, if I go to the parashah for today, we'll see that this is called parashah shoftim because the first word here in the parashah, starting at verse uh, 18, is appoint judges, right? And this is all about appointing judges and officials and administering God's justice. So shoftim, the other word I wanted to teach you today, this is another important word out of the Hebrew language, also starts with um what we in english call s um but in uh hebrew is called the sin or the shin uh and that word is sefer we've heard this word a lot we heard you know we have a sefer but what that word actually means is book right and so sefer shoftim is the book of judges and so right here what we're getting you know we're not in the book of judges but we're getting um in this parasha, we're getting what, you know, that judges should be appointed over the land and officials. As I was reading through this parasha, a lot of folks were saying that this word for official, a lot of the uh, rabbis are saying that this, this word for officials, we could think about it in the term of like police officer in this day, or literally officers, officials or officers. Um, I need to do more research on that, but uh, we know even if it is officers, it's not the way that it is, uh, it's not the same context as officers in this day. We know the, the police officers in this day that uh, their stem is actually from slave catchers. Not to say that every police officer is bad or anything like that. Just the truth is that they, you know, um, it stems from the ancient idea of the slave catcher. Um, and then that morphed and morphed and morphed over time to where you now get police officers. Uh, but we won't go into that too much today. Uh, but I wanted to start with a story before we jumped into the parashat today, because Again, it's all about justice. And um, 
we can talk about some different forms of justice, but I wanted to go and I wanted to connect to last week's parashah, which uh, a part of last week's parashah was beware of the false prophet, right? If we remember back to last week's parashah, um, a part of that one was beware of the false prophet. I wanted to start with this story. I'm going to go to Revelation 22. Uh, my wife and I were in church one day back in Denver. I'm not going to say which uh, congregation, but we've been going there for a couple weeks. And, you know, I was telling my wife, like, uh, you know, I'm like, man, you know, this church has some nice programs, whatever. I was like, but when I go there, I don't feel the spirit. And I was like, you know, we need to be we need to be on watch uh, because it's, it's the church is kind of dead. And when you when you feel that, then something's usually off. And so we kept going. We went two or three weeks. I always want to give somebody a fair try. And then we go like the third week and this pastor starts preaching and I knew we, I, we might've got we might've gotten up and walked out, but it was so uh, against the scripture that I just, I couldn't believe it. But this is, I, I just want to give you a, a sense of how easy it is to take this word and twist it and take it into a false prophecy. So this is what was said in this congregation. So they read from uh, Revelation 22. I'm just going to read this real quick. Uh, so Revelation 22, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Uh, just to give some context here, this is in Revelation once um, the Lord has come back down and he's taking, taking his kingdom, bringing his kingdom back down to earth. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and, and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. So this is the new Jerusalem, right? On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and, the, and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more nights. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. It's a beautiful verse talking about the new Jerusalem and what's going to happen once uh, the Messiah establishes his kingdom here on earth. The way this preacher attacked this, and this is right around, you know, this was his response. This is right around the time of uh, George Floyd, right? So this is like his response kind of in that time of trying to mix in social justice. And we'll get more into that in a second here with this idea of biblical justice. But this is what he said. He said that this tree going to verse uh, two, this tree that has the leaves that are for the healing of the nations, America will receive one of those leaves and America will be healed. This is what he said, right? America will be healed. And he said at, at that time, when that happens, there will be no more racial injustice in America. There will be no more um, discrimination in America. At that time, America will be healed and will be able to move forward without the curse as a righteous nation. Can anyone see the falsehood in that statement? At the time of the new Jerusalem, America will receive one of these leaves and they will be healed. It, it just doesn't say that. I, I, I'm reading it. it. It doesn't say that at all. So I, I don't know where that comes from. It does not say that at all. It says the healing will be for the nations. Um, but let's dig into this a second and just see, because it's just so easy to take these scriptures out of context and to twist them just slightly. First of all, 
There will be no healing for America without judgment. America must be judged for what it's done. Just like you, just like I, just like all of us, we all will receive, uh, you know, some form of judgment for what we've done. America will not receive uh, uh, this grace without receiving judgment. All the nations will go through this period of judgment. As a matter of fact, it says that everyone will turn against Jerusalem in those final days. All nations will turn against them. Why do we exclude America? But let's go to a more let's go to a more uh, foundational reading. I'm gonna go back to verse 21 to put this back in context. Or excuse me, chapter 21 to put this back in context. I'm gonna read chapter 21 really quick. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a beautiful bride. A be excuse me, as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. That right there, there is a new heaven and a new earth. Why does that happen? Because the old heaven and the old earth have already been burned away. So what does that mean? That means that judgment has already occurred on the land. There is no America at this time. At this time of a new heaven and a new earth, this new earth does not look anything like our current earth. There's no America and Africa and all that. No, there is the new Jerusalem. That's what comes. And so this idea that America is going to still be around at this time to receive a leaf of healing without receiving their judgment, that is completely out of context. That is not to acknowledge the fact that America won't even be here at that time. But what was what he was trying to, to set up in this in this uh, preaching was that, you know, somehow you can escape the judgment. Somehow you can America will be able to escape uh, what it's done to the Hebrew Israelites and to the world at whole. I mean, the war in Africa, uh, the war, I mean, I can't even get into it. So, so many atrocities came to this land, but it was American exceptionalism at its finest, right? Saying that America is this great nation and that they won't, you know, everything will go, go well with them. That's not going to be the case. America is going to receive the same judgment that, uh, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah and these other nations have received historically, the same judgment that the whole world will receive for coming against Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted, you know, and, and, and this, talking about justice today, I just wanted to start here and say that, you know, justice is not, it's not something to be taken lightly. It's not something that we should just be like, oh, you know, is this willy nilly, whatever. No, the Lord takes justice very seriously, as we'll see in today's parashah. Um, but I also wanted to connect to last week's parashah and say how easy it is for someone to take these scriptures and twist them and, and uh, twist them just slightly and create a false narrative or a false prophecy. And he, he was given a prophecy, right? America will be healed by this leaf. How easy it is to take that and create a false prophecy um, out of these scriptures. So I just wanted to start with that really quick because when I was reading this, it reminded me of that instance it sticks out in my in my head because it was just like man i think we got to been walked out that day like this is wild instead of talking about uh the racial injustice that's happening here in america instead of talking about what happened with george Floyd, instead of instead of doing those kind of things and this was a, I, think, I believe this this uh pastor it was a mixed church uh, as far as uh racially mixed uh, culturally mixed uh but the pastor was half black half white and it was just like a, you know it was a good chance today to talk about some of these things and uh enlighten on some of these things but instead all you got to say is that uh you know america will be healed in these final days without speaking about the judgment that has to come first it you know it struck me 
Daniel's family. I see you got your hand up. Go ahead and interject. Yeah, I was just thinking this is a perfect example of where instead of taking Yah at his word and for what he's actually saying, you instead take him for what you wish he was saying. And, and it goes to that point of a lot of times we don't want to let go of the ideals and the idea of, of the country that we're in, the, the place that some people have taken allegiance to, you know, and we just can't fathom that it it wouldn't exist or or that you know it, it very well may not be here when these words are fulfilled and so we start putting ourselves in in a way that that the most high isn't saying instead of calling it for what it is we're calling it what it is and calling things that that be not <laughs> not as though they were but just that be not and so i felt like that's that's where we get lost it's that's how some of us got here got to this place where we had to be awoken in the first place with all this mixture of the gospel and saying that it is things that it isn't you know we have to be very careful for that you know if we're going to say we're taking y'all at his word we need to really take him at his word mm -hmm. amen we need to actually take him at his word even when it's tough even when it's tough to receive i mean but you know this is nothing new i'm gonna give you a second here uh i'm give you a chance in a second here sister easter but uh, this is nothing new because this is what it was for the prophets right they killed all the prophets they killed the messiah anybody who came with the truth <laughs> the world didn't want to receive it and so this is nothing new uh but you know when i see this happening in the church when i see people just being just lied to there's no other way to say it in these false prophecies you know it it, it really hurts me in a, in a spiritual way um but it's so simple to do it's so simple to do but as you said sister daniels uh will you take his word for it will you take him for his word or will you not and that is the measure of you know false prophecy versus true prophecy and understanding that going back to the word for last year a you know having being able to see right first individually and then being able to see it communally to act it out go ahead sister easter when I hear things like that, it's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear. And I'm going to tell you right now, if right today, if you're scared that the world will come to an end and you don't know where you're going, it's a spirit of fear. And that's why some people are scared to die because they, they've done so much dirty stuff or they're not inside the camp. They don't know where they're going. And that's why we're on here every week so you can get inside the camp. So you can keep the Sabbath day holy. So you can get it right. And you have to read for yourself. And once your eyes are open, I was, it's funny you would say that. I was looking at um, Thursday, somebody was on and they were preaching. And it's like, all of it was a lie. And it was like begging that the people give their money. and But the money's not going back into the land to help build up the Hebrew Israelites. So you can't even listen to it anymore. I, I literally cannot even listen to it anymore since the Lord has awakened me. Since Yahweh has awakened me, I just can't even listen to that stuff anymore because I know it's a lot. Yeah, amen. And you know, Sister Easter, you know, I'm thinking back right, right now to be clear. That was, we were online during that session. That was right after George Floyd. So it was in the midst of the pandemic. And we literally closed the computer when we heard that. I can't listen to this anymore. I literally can't. I can't put this in my spirit, you know, and I was thinking about, I'm like, I talked to my wife. I'm like, should I write an email to the pastor and, and say, hey, man, like, you know, that was a false, you know, should, should I approach it in that way? And she's like, no, we just won't go there anymore. Like that's, you know, we'll just, you know, we, we see what it is. You, you were saying it before service and then, you know, the Lord showed you. And so that's, you know, that's the confirmation that you needed. Um, and, you know, it was real hard for me because I'm like, 
you know, I want to say something, but you know, it's not always our battle to fight, excuse me, in that way. But that, you know, I'm like, man, you know, George Floyd, all this just happened. You had a chance here uh, as a black man to talk about this stuff with a, such a multicultural conjugation. And all you got to say is that America will be healed in this false prophecy. And I'm like, man, like that's what's going on out here in, in, in these streets. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to start well, off with a respective person. If we have to line up and do right, so do they, everybody else. Everybody. And I mean, the world will be judged. And the thing is, is even if you're like, oh, well, maybe America will find grace through blah, blah, blah. That doesn't line up with these scriptures, because in 21, the uh, the old heaven and the old earth have already been burned away by being burned away. That means they've been judged. And so just from that piece alone on this new heaven and this new earth, there is no America. There is no all there is, is the new Jerusalem. And so for somebody to sit there and say, you know, oh, America's going to get a leaf and America will be strong when the coming of the Lord. No, that's not true. That is false. America will not be here uh, when the Lord brings down the new heaven and the new earth. Um, and so, you know, it was just like, wow, he's just taking us out of context and just running with whatever kind of way with it. And so I just wanted to connect there real quick. But let's go ahead and jump into uh, some verses from the Parashah for this week, um, starting at uh, chapter 16 of Deuteronomy. So, again, uh, the word shoftim means judges, and you see here it starts out, appoint God's judges and officials. I want to read this first uh, first couple of verses here because um, I want to get into one thing that's happening here in America where we can identify, you know, we always talk about the, you know, the idea that this is the spiritual Egypt, you know, and all this, but I want to show you that it may not only be spiritual from the foundation of this earth, uh, from, excuse me, from the foundation of this nation, a lot of the original uh, founders were setting this up as an Egypt. And I want to give you a proof of that, um, that I'm going to pull from these verses here. So let's read 18 down through 22. Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes and every town the Lord your God is giving you. They shall, and they shall judge the people fairly. Let's pause here for a second. A judge, appoint judges and, and officials for each of your tribes in every town the Lord God has given you. They shall judge his people fairly. We should be, we should have judges and officials over ourselves. We shouldn't even need uh, to go into the American criminal justice system. We shouldn't need the call to police when something happens in our community. We shouldn't need any of that. We should have judges and officials in our community because that's always been our way. No matter where we are to have judges and officials. I know I'm getting, I'm kind of digressing here, but I read that verse and I wanted to just put this in there. I was watching this um, History Channel documentary one day and they were talking about the establishing of Chinatown over in, uh, I believe it was, I believe it was here in SF. They were talking about Chinatown and they were saying how uh, when, when a Chinatown was established, a lot of times police couldn't even come into Chinatown and help with any of the crimes because the, the folks that were that were living in Chinatown, they had their own judicial systems. They were governing themselves. So if something happened, if somebody stole something, if there was uh, some kind of assault, whatever it was, the people of Chinatown wouldn't give up their own to the American criminal justice system. Rather, they had internal ways of dealing with it. They had established their own justice system. And I just use that... Um, I use that to reflect back to here. And, you know, you see that in 
Uh, and I'm just going to use, you see that in some like mafia gang situations where they don't go to the police. Instead, they handle it within. You see that in different ethnic communities in which they don't want to deal with the American justice system and put their own in the hands of the American justice system. Yet we suffer at the hands of the American justice system because we are don't have our structure set up. This was created for us. This is who we are. Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes and every town the Lord your God has given you. But we don't have that. And so we, uh, you know, give our people over to the American criminal justice system and look what that's done. You know, I think it's uh, the stat and, you know, excuse me if I'm getting the stat slightly wrong, but it's somewhere close. It's like one in every 83, I believe, uh, people in America will go to jail in their lifetime. One in every 83 is about, which is a crazy number. Uh, you know, we're the most imprisoned nation in the history of the world. It's a crazy number on its own. But even moving past that, one in every nine Black Americans. So you go from one in 83 to one in every nine. One in every nine Black Americans will go to prison in their lifetime. And when you get down to men, one in every three Black men will go to jail in his life. Wow, that is unbelievable. And we are still in this cycle of, well, we know, we know what jail is. That's modern day slavery. Um, we're still in this cycle of uh, cycling through jails um, for the things that we're committing in our communities. Now, of course, first and foremost, we need to give back to the statutes and commandments and not give the chance for this. But even moving beyond that, if we appoint judges and officials in our communities to be able to overlook and to be able to judge these cases and to be able to administer justice within, then we're not at the mercy of our oppressor and of this um, our captors and putting us back into slavery again and again and again. Well, well, mean, me, well me working at the police department, that's the reason why they put you in jail. Because if you get a record, you cannot run a felony, you cannot even vote, and you can't run for any official office or get any governmental job. So that's the whole breakdown in the tactic. They pull you over, they call you a nigger, they whoop your behind, say you resisted arrest, and that's a felony. But go ahead. And how many of us are in jail, you know, uh, just to bring some pop culture in, I don't know if you heard, uh, you know, I, again, I, I love hip hop. DJ Khaled got a new album out um, called God Did. And however, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, that it is glorifying God and all that. But the fact that you got folks out here that may not even uh, be very, uh, be on the believer track, but they yelling out God did, that's a win. You know what I'm saying? The fact that they sitting here out here saying, you know, I don't know, but God did, that's a win. Um, but it's a song with uh, Lil Wayne, Rick Ross, and Jay-Z where Jay-Z is talking about kind of, it's a very monumental verse for Jay-Z. He's talking about, uh, you know, a lot of the criminal justice system things. He's talking about the fact that uh, he, you know, came up selling drugs and the same, and, you know, he did it illegally and had to duck the streets to do that. But now he's taken a marijuana company and gone public with it. And so now he's able to sell drugs legally. And he's talking about how wild this is, the American system that, the same things that his brothers and sisters and he could have got locked up for all his life is now legal. And how many uh, black folks are in jail for, you know, weed possession or have gotten a felony for something, something like that. And now this stuff is legal. You know, this system is a joke, as Lauren Hill said it. This system is a joke, man. The, the, um, whole, the whole system is a joke and it breaks down affirmative action because if you have a felony, you can't vote. They say, okay, we'll give you food stamps and all this. You can live in a project, but you can't have a man there. So then if he's there, he's hiding. So he's he's not being counted. So that's 
affecting our education. It's affecting our employment. So it's a whole breakdown here. But go and, ahead. I've studied all this. It's a whole breakdown. And, and getting back to the fatherless uh, in our generation, it's this system that has caused a lot of it. You know, and, and don't get me wrong. I want to go back to the root. Our actions are what controls everything, right? Us being away from these statutes and commandments, you know, that's at the core of it. Now that we're now that we're off base in that, um, it's this American system that has literally just been formed against us in so many ways. We know what institutionalized racism is, um, institutional racism is, but it's been formed against us in so many ways. Um, and so it's just like, man, you know, if we could, and this again, this is the first verse of the parashat. <laughs> we just, we just on the first verse right now. If we could simply follow who we are, take back our heritage and do the things in which God set up for us and commanded us, it would go a long way and, uh, and keeping and, and healing some of these fatherless situations. Um, and so, you know, it was just, I, I saw that and I was just like, man, like, imagine if we did that. Imagine if we were like the Chinese in Chinatown uh, in their early inception and we didn't allow the police to come into our community and police our, what if, what if we policed our own communities? What if we did what was written in the that scripture? What happens in Houston in Chinatown now? They hired their mm -hmm. own to police their communities out there. I know mm -hmm. I've been there. And then they say, I mean, oh, we do it because the, the language, the language barrier, they uh, they can't yeah. speak the, the Chinese language. So I, they only have Chinese officers out there who will let them go and not whoop their ass. Excuse but, my French, because that's but, what they do to us. Exactly. But look, sister, sister, why is that? We talk about language, right? A lot of officers say, oh, I shot him because I was because, uh, you know, I, I was scared. You know, they say a lot of things, but ultimately it's because I was scared because they don't know, you know, the body language and the language of a black man. They think, oh, that's, it was aggressive, so I had to shoot him. You know, I see it in schools. You know, oh, uh, you know, because they raised their voice. You know, I had to send them out of the classroom. He didn't raise his voice. That's how we talk when we in family gatherings. That's how we talk when we in church. You know, we just we, you know, whatever you want to say. It, but it's, it's like a, it's a cop it's out, really, because it's a lot of nepotism. And a lot of them get those guns because they're cowards, and they get the the guns to put us in jail and to kill us anyway. That, that's all it is. It's a family history that they have. And they, they send their, their loved ones to the military. I, like I said, I've worked with them. I've studied it. They send it to the military so they can get more points than you can because you have a military background that'll put you ahead of everyone being a police officer. Then you go out here and, and, and it's a bunch of the same last name whooping on people. And, you know, as I've said before, I'm not, I'm not going to harp on this point, but uh, let's understand what police are in their inception. Right. Let's understand. And again, there are a lot of good police out there. You know, I'm friends with uh, different relatives that are police and, you know, different things like that. There are a lot of good police out there today. So I'm not it's not to say that every officer is this way, but the inception of the institution of police officers, it is slave catchers. That was literally their original job and who they originally were racist slave catchers that were trying to return slaves to their masters. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. After you get out of slavery and you go into, uh, you know, the Jim Crow era, antebellum and different things, that was their whole function was catch them jaywalking and put them in the prison because now we got them back in slavery. Catch them doing some ridiculous thing, you know, that wasn't a, a harm to anybody, put them in prison. Now we get them back to their masters. And so the, the, Jim, the, Crow, the, the Jim Crow laws, you, you drink at the wrong fountain, you go yeah, in the jail. Yeah. Go back to the black codes, right? Go back to the black codes. You go, we can go to all throughout our history. It's just changed names, right? Slavery hasn't gone away. It's just changed from this name to this name. They've just become more sophisticated with the pen in order to keep these things in place. Um, but again, you know, 
I don't have the documents and stuff up. So I'm, you know, I'm making assertions, but go back and look at this on your own. Go back and look and see, you know, what is the origin of the modern police force here in America? And what you will see will, you know, it may surprise to a lot of us. We know this, but if you know, if you don't, it may surprise you. Uh, but let me keep this moving because, you know, I get long winded and I can't get to all my points. So let me keep this moving. But just, you know, just off that first verse, just like, man. But um, verse 20 is one of it might be the most important verse in this parish. And I say that from a subjective standpoint. But let me read verse 20. Follow justice and justice alone so that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. That's it right there. Follow justice and justice alone so that you may live and possess the land your God has given you. Why are we not living and possessing the land that our God has given us? Because we weren't following justice and justice alone. And Yeshua comes back and says this, doesn't he? Uh, we're we're going to go there here in a second in um, Matthew 23, if you want to get your, your scripture ready for that. But before we get there, uh, I just want to go back to this real quick. In the Hebrew, I guess you get a, another Hebrew word today. In the Hebrew, this word justice is zedek, zedek, T-Z-E-D-E-K, zedek, zedek, terdaf. Follow justice and justice alone. That is the entirety of the scriptures right there. There it is. Follow justice and justice alone. That is what we're called to do. Not only as Hebrews, not only as Israelites, not only as uh, the seed of Abraham, as children of God that extend back to Adam. Every human being is called to this follow justice and justice alone. But there's a special call for us because there was a condition here, right? Notice that there's unconditional covenants and there's conditional covenants. When he says this, he gives us a so. Do this so that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. There was a condition for us to be in the land, and that condition was to follow justice and justice alone. There remains a condition for us to come out of this bondage, follow justice and justice alone. Don't follow the false gods. Don't follow uh, the way of the nations that you're going into. Don't follow all these perversions of justice. Follow justice and justice alone. That is the command. That is why we are where we are. Because our forefathers weren't following justice and justice alone. Because we in this, in this day continue to not follow justice and justice alone. We have a choice. Going back to last week. It's a simple choice that we have to make. Will we follow justice or will we not? Well, we're talking about a lot about justice. So let's pause for a second. Um, actually, before I go there, I'm going to come back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose the question to you right now. And I'll come back to it. The question I have for you is, what does justice mean to you? Think about that. I'm going to go to one more topic and then come back to that question. What does justice mean to you? And I, in, in the context of that question, we have what's called social justice in today's day and age. And what I'm really getting at here is how is that um, compared and contrasted with biblical justice? You know, social justice is a buzzword right now. And a lot of folks are talking about social justice and, you know, even and now uh, some of these systems of oppression here in America. But how does that look in terms of biblical justice? So what does justice mean to you? I'm going to come back to that question here in a second. So please, uh, if you have any thoughts on that, kind of save those for one second. Before we get to that question, I wanted to go 
to the next verse, talk about right after he says, follow justice and justice alone, what does he say do not do? Okay, so he says, follow justice and justice alone so that you may live and possess the land. Then he says immediately after what not to do. Okay, so verse 21, do not set up any wooden Asheroth pole beside the altar you build to the Lord your God and do not erect the sacred stone for these the Lord your God hates. Hmm. Do not set up any wooden Asheroth pole and do not erect a sacred stone. So what I wanted to show you here is how America has set themselves up with a sacred stone. I'm going to go ahead and ask a question. I don't, I don't think anybody knows, but this sacred stone uh, is something that comes from Egyptian culture. Does anybody know where this shows up in America today? This idea of the Mount sacred... Rushmore comes to my head when you say that. Okay, so we we know that presidents up there that really should be the, the Indian chiefs. But go ahead. And originally was supposed to be right, and then they they changed it last minute and and disrespected their native lands like that. Um, but okay, so it says, do not carve an image made out of stone. What you got Mount Rushmore, where you got these <laughs> men immortalized in carvings of stone, right? And that there's an obelisk too, right? That the again, obelisk, Sister Daniels? The obelisk, as we know it. But um, I believe there was a different name that they called it, of course, with um, the Egyptians. But yeah. Bingo. There mm -hmm. it is, right? America has erected sacred stones all throughout its founding. But let's get back to the origin. Let's get back to the origin. Uh, uh, Sister Daniels brought up the obelisk. Let's go to this really quick. I already got it pulled up. What is an obelisk? An obelisk is a stone or pillar, right? A sacred stone, typically having a square or rectangular cross section and a pyramid top set up as a monument or landmark. Where do we find an obelisk in America? Where's the most prominent place? Does anybody know? White House or, the, or DC? Mm -hmm. DC, White House area. Mm -hmm. Here, so so let, now let's look at obelisk America. And I just want to show y'all how deep this goes, this, this Egypt that we're in. The Washington Monument is an obelisk. The gravestone, and you know, if, if you don't know, this is the gravestone of uh, George Washington. The, the thing that stands before when every president gets inaugurated, this is the thing, that big pillar that's in the back, that's the Washington Monument. So you're telling me that literally... Uh, the things that, and of course, they get these from Egypt. The, these originated in Egypt. So you're telling me that the literal symbol of Egypt is right in front of our nation's capital, named after the founding father. Yeah, you're telling me we're not in Egypt. Yeah, they're supposed to get a leaf and not judge. But go ahead. Come on now. They're gonna be judged. I mean, this thing. I mean, I mean, look. You know, this is where Obama gave got his inauguration. Every president's been inaugurated here since I don't know. We you know what year it started, but every modern president's been inaugurated here. The thing that he literally says, justice, justice, pursue justice, and then says, do not do this. This is literally what America did. And you're telling me we're not in Egypt. You're telling me they didn't know who we were when they brought us over here. Come on now. Um, but the obelisk is the, a sacred stone, and America is right here uh, guilty of it. I mean, I, it, it's unshameful, right? <laughs> this is this is the, the national monument of, of, of the founding father. They're unshameful. It says, do not set up any wooden Asheroth pole besides the altar. And some folks, you know, I don't know if we want to go here or not, but some folks will say the cross that sits uh, sits uh, behind a lot of these Catholic and Christian altars 
that it can be compared to a wooden Asherah pole. I'm not going to go there right now. Uh, you know, that's not for today. But um, this idea of do not set up, erect a sacred stone, my God, in front of the nation's capital, what is there? A sacred stone. Just like the, and you know, when saying this, it was in contrast to what happened. Remember, they just came out of Egypt, right? So God is talking in contrast to what was set up in Egypt. And here we are in America, in the land of our oppressors, and right in front of the, I mean, probably the most, uh, you know, holy, when I say that, it's an unholy way, but the most holy symbol of America is this sacred stone, this obelisk. My God, my God. Um, so I just wanted to show that real quick to say, like, yeah, we talk about a spiritual Egypt. This is also very physical as well. And this is for a reason. Why would they choose an obelisk out of all things to commemorate the gravestone of the founding father? Why? Is it by chance? Did they just do it just saying, ah, let's just throw something up? No. Evil is at work. Satan is at work. This, <laughs> this is not by chance. And it's bigger than white versus black. It's just bigger than that. This is spiritual wickedness in high and low places. We got to see it for what it is. Um, so don't get caught on the wrong side. Don't get caught thinking that America's going to get a leaf of healing at the end. So let me stay here and wait for my leaf. Man, please don't get caught on the wrong side. That's what I got to say to all my Israelites and my Christians out there. Don't Amen. get caught on the wrong side. Amen. Um, okay. So going back to our question here, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to unshare here for a second. Cause we're going to have a quick discussion. Uh, going back to the question here. What does justice mean to you? And again, if you think about this as biblical versus social justice, what does justice mean to us? Everybody calling for justice, right? No justice, no peace, et cetera, et cetera. What are we asking for? What does justice mean to us? Justice mean for me is, first of all, they need to admit it, which they're not going to do. We already see that. Secondly, my reparations to get out of here and go get my land back. That's what that's what that's what justice is to me. I want my reparations for all the free labor my ancestors has done, so I can go ahead and go to Israel and get my land back. Mm -hmm. Amen. Period. So justice would be making that that wrong right in some way. You know, you can you can never fully make it right, but having some restitution for the wrong that has been done. Right. They're, they're rationing out little things like we I said today earlier, the Bank of America is giving zero down for, for uh, black Americans and they're doing little things. We got uh, Goldman Sachs. They're, they're giving a, a billion dollars to uh, uh, black women owning business. Just make it plain and simple. We've done wrong. Here's your money and here's your land, period. That's what I want. And, you know, um, I've heard somebody talk about like how reparations well, due to inflation, like what its current value would be going back to 40 acres and a mule, what its current value would be. And it's somewhere, uh, you know, again, I excuse me if I'm saying this number wrong, but I believe it was somewhere around $12 million that each a black American over the age of 18 due to the reparations they never got will be entitled to about $12 million from the American government. And you might say, I listened to a comedian, comedian the other day and he was like, you know, I always talk, we always talk about reparations and, you know, the government will say, or white people will say, but we could never do that. That would bankrupt America. But when the pandemic happened, we saw them checks getting cut for all Americans. When certain things happened, you know, we see 10,000 in, in student loans getting cut for all Americans right now. The money is there. It's just a decision that that's being made. Right. 
and they can, they can, make, they can make more money if they wanted to. Yeah, the cost of our uh, the value would go down, but they can they can make more money. They've done it for the Asians. They they've done it for the Jewish. They could do it for us. America pays uh, Israel every single year. We're not going again. We're not going to get into all that today because I'm trying to stay on time today. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, reparations have been given by America, but they won't give them to us for whatever reason, right? Now we're coming around in this age of social justice where some things are starting to shift, and you hear some politicians calling for it. But you know, it's been 400 years, so it makes sense that the curse is being lifted, but it's still not here just yet. Um, but thank you for that, sister. So, so getting, so getting. Uh, restoration for what has been taken uh, from us. And again, we can never get restoration fully from being snatched out of our land and having our entire history erased, et cetera, et cetera. But something to admit the guilt and to say, we did wrong. Here is something that uh, you deserve. Here's something that, that your ancestors at least deserve. Um, okay, thank you for that, Sister Rita. Going to the Daniels. Any, uh, any comment on what justice means for you? I guess the word that comes to mind for me is just equity, you know, and, um, you know, I guess just being impartial based on the, um, what you were just reading, it says that you shouldn't necessarily show respect of person. Mm -hmm. And obviously we know that justice seems to be dependent on who you are, you know, but it should be equitable. Amen. And for the dance, I love that you use that word because mm -hmm. a lot of folks mix up equity and equality. We we don't need equality. Equality for us right now puts us behind because of institutionalized racism over time. Equity is an entirely different uh, case. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the picture, and this is for uh, my folks listening. If you ever seen a picture of equality, and it has three kids, right? And one is uh, yeah. uh, you know maybe four foot tall, one's five foot tall, one's six foot tall, and they all have the same uh, ledge they're standing on. But the four foot tall one can't see over the fence. The five foot tall one can like almost barely see over the fence. And the six foot tall one is just looking over the fence. That's equity, right? Or excuse me, mm -hmm. that, that's equality. Everybody gets the same footing. But mm -hmm. equity says that the four foot one will get a higher footing so that he can see over the fence. The five foot one will get a medium sized footing so he can see over the fence. And the six foot one will get a smaller footing but still be able to see over the fence. Equity is when everybody can see over the fence. It might not have the same... Um, the same structure or the same uh, whatever you want to call it, but it's making sure that everyone gets the same playing field rather than just saying, well, it's, it's equal. You all have the same chance. No, we don't. <laughs> you know, we're decades, generations, uh, centuries behind in building wealth because of what was done to us through institutional racism. We are, you know, generations behind in uh, our culture because it was, you know, there's so many things in which we are so far behind in equity, or excuse me, equality won't do it at this point because of that. We need equity. So thank you for saying that, Brother Daniels. I'm thinking that was clearly a teacher thing because he just went and pulled up the picture for me to see, but I had no idea. <laughs> but he was like, yes, as soon as you said that. Uh -huh. Teachers know, teachers know. <laughs> I was like, no, I do not know of this picture. But uh -huh. um, it's funny when you brought that question up, I was like, ooh, that's, that's heavy. I haven't even truly defined what that would look like to me and and I wondered if I could it just is it seems so insurmountable <laughs> it's just I mean because even when you think about the fact that within us all there's there's subcultures then there's where we came from like they literally split our families apart so literally. let's say that they granted this this justice 
what what would it look like for like having half your family in the Caribbean and the other half in in Africa and the other half in America? So some people would would get that you know restitution or that that payment, but then there's some that would get left out and nobody's coming to look for them. You know, yeah. so even when they start saying yeah reparations reparations, I was like, but then technically that means I get nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. If yeah. you're doing it in within America, then that means I get nothing. You know, that means that, you know, my family, despite, you know, things haven't happened, gets nothing. So I, I don't even have a definition, really. It's just, it's, that's how bad the damage is. Like you and I are family, you and me and Co-Alisa, we're family, but what do you do for the fact that you um you look at each other and you don't necessarily see that right away? There's a, there's a spirit thing where we feel it, where, where we see each other and we go, we give a head nod and we, we know. But then there's this other side where like you see some of our, our people's behavior and they, they're not thinking that way. It's getting better, but they're not thinking that way. That's a big thing. That's a big thing. Amen. Thank you for that, Sister Daniels. And that is such a good point. Uh, I think a lot of times we may be a little narrow minded and thinking like, oh, you know, we need it in America. But literally, you know, when we got split apart, we went to the Caribbean, we went to South America, we went everywhere. And so, you know, my ancestors, some of them obviously came here to America, but, you know, the, the grandfather may have came here, whereas the grand, the great, great uh, grandmother may have went to the, the, to the Caribbeans or whatever it may be. And so we got to think it, it's such a broad scope of what was done to us that, like, can we even receive justice? Can we even get to that point? Because as Sister Daniel said, we're going to leave somebody out unless this is a... a uh, uh united nations thing right and it's reparations given to uh you know and even then it's like can we even so receive the, Roth the rothschild family owns 400 billion would it be dollars those are the ones that family who got the ships and came over there and, and got us if they put every all the jewish that's that not the hebrew is like out of israel and send their 400 billion dollars over there and let us have our land how about that and I can prove my DNA uh, through the, the this Bible here, through the Bible. My kids was ripped out the arms, all that stuff, the fatherless children. We can prove our DNA just through the scripture. I don't have to be pricked. Now, you can prick me. I'm, uh, it's going to come up. But I, just through the scriptures and the hardship we've had. Amen. Amen. That's know, interesting. Because just... like when she just mentioned some of the... um. I guess the the traces that you can see, like that is one thing where we can, and that's probably why the head nod, like, yeah, I, I see you, <laughs> happens where where we could all relate to that one and whether and without realizing why it is. But yeah, when you just started naming some of the things, the fatherless children, the this and that, you know, and it, it, it's like, it, it can be identified in several places, whether it be here or not, for sure. Amen. And, and, and it's all by design, right? You know, I, I hate when people talk about our community and they talk about, uh, you know, the black on black violence. They talk about, they talk about these things. They talk about, oh, whatever it is, they talk about it without getting to the root of it. You know, the root of it isn't just that we hate one another. The root of it isn't just that, it, no, the root of it is that we've been designed in a certain way by our oppressors here. And that, that uh, mind control, that brainwashing is prevailing. Right. And that's what it took for me to fully have some kind of forgiveness for what my father did is it was to when I got, you know, uh, when I started to understand from a, and, and truly happened in college, when I started to learn more about what happened through African-American history, African-American history, but to understand that while he made these horrible decisions that, you know, left 
uh, my mother and me in a certain predicament, he was trained to do that. He was brainwashed into that by different structures, uh, you know, racist structures here in America. And so once I understood that, I could have some form of forgiveness for him, understanding that he was just a product of the system. The system is not broken. We say this all the time, right? The uh, housing system is not broken. You see that you see the inequities. It's not broken. The schooling system is not broken. The fact that we haven't got reparated, this is all not broken. It's all by design and it's happening exactly how it was set forth. It's happening exactly how it was designed. And that's what you call institutional racism. And that's why we have social justice at this point uh, to try to have some ways to correct that. But it's all by design. Um, really quick, uh, to Sister Daniel's point, here's that picture for you. If you couldn't imagine what I was saying there with equality versus equity, here's the picture for you, right? You have equality being everybody is equal on the left side. Everybody gets the same footing. Everybody gets the same everything else. But in equity, everybody gets to see. Everybody actually gets the same opportunity. Um, and so, you know, we need equity, not equality, and where we're living right now. But this idea, and I'm going to push this along just a little bit because I know, uh, you know, I was trying to get a little faster today. I was trying to go a little more efficiently today. You know, it's just some good topics, man. We get to rolling, and uh, it just kind of goes on. But um Question here is what is biblical justice? First, we talk about biblical versus social justice. Social justice is so needed in our society, right? Because of this idea of equity, we need to pursue social justice in some of its forms. Um, you know, and the definition of social justice is justice in terms of the distribution of wealth, opportunities, and privileges within a society. That's what social justice is by definition, right? Justice in terms of the distribution of wealth opportunities and privileges within a society. Now, how does biblical justice differ from that? Let's look at a few accounts of biblical justice in the Bible. I wanna start here or in the uh, both the Brit Hadashah and the Old Testament, the Old Testament or the uh, Tanakh. I wanna start by looking at Luke 4, 18 in the scriptures to see a piece of justice here. So, when Yeshua starts his ministry, we know in Luke 4.18, this comes straight out of uh, the prophet, from the prophet Isaiah. He's reading from uh, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, who we just went back to today. Um, but let's read what Yeshua came to do. Starting at uh, verse 18 here. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There's Yeshua's mission right there. Here, he is administering justice by doing what things? By first and foremost, proclaiming the good news to the poor. That is justice. To free the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. That is justice. But what's interesting here is that why are they imprisoned and why are they blind? Because of their sin. So this is very interesting to hear justice in this way. Because in the parashah, what we read in the parashah this week was that an eye for an eye was justice, right? That was all throughout the parashah. We're talking about an eye for an eye, a foot for a foot, a tooth for a tooth. Uh, that shall be justice. And we know that that actually predates uh, the the Tanakh, that goes back to Hammurabi's code, where it says an eye for an eye, a foot for a foot, a tooth for a tooth, etc. Um, but 
that was the idea of justice that was thought about for for the Hebrews. But I would offer up another scripture of Yeshua. Remember when the woman gets caught in adultery and they bring the woman to him. I believe that is in the book of John as well. And they bring the woman. He said, he's, you know, it's a wild scene. I, you know, that scene there is a wild. He's he's preaching. He is in the middle of preaching. And they bring a woman that they set up, right? The Pharisees set her up. Uh, and they bring a woman straight out of the bedroom to him, still naked, while he's in the middle of preaching, while he's in the middle of a sermon, and says, Rabbi, we just caught her uh, in adultery. What do you say? Right? And he looks at them. It starts writing in the sand like these fools starts writing in the sand and then you know they keep going on and we know eventually what happens is he says he who without sin cast the first stone and then they all walk they all end up walking away well why do i bring that that uh scripture up right there here is the here is a time in uh the teaching of, of of yeshua where he talks about this idea of justice as eye for an eye because what they're trying to say is that she should be stoned or you know she should uh, receive death as they see written in the in the Torah. But he says, he who without sin cast the first stone. What he is saying there is, which one of you is righteous enough to actually carry out the judgment? Which one of you has actually lived a life without sin and can actually cast a stone at her because you are blameless? And not one of them can. So we talk about this idea of eye for an eye, there has to be an administer of that ju of that justice. And if you are not righteous, right? If you are not um, in righteousness, then you can't administer the judgment. But this was the problem with the eye for an eye theology is that they thought, oh, well, you know, if this happened, and remember, this is the basis for the American justice system as well, right? This idea of eye for an eye, you do this and you get this punishment. Um, but this idea of justice has to be accompanied by a judge who can administer that justice. And as we read, I'm gonna go back to Deuteronomy here. As we read here, it has to be one who does not pervert justice or show partiality. If you've, preferred, if you've perverted justice, then you are not qualified to be a judge or administer that justice. And so that's what Yeshua was saying to them is, which one of you have not perverted justice and shown partiality? Any of you who've done that, go ahead and cast a stone at it. And the funny thing here was that they brought the woman, but not the man. And in the law, they both deserved to be stoned to death. And so just by bringing her and not the man, because of course they had, it was a setup. They set this woman up, but uh, to bring the woman without the man in itself was showing partiality. Mm -hmm. So off the rip, they were wrong, right? Off the rip and what they did, they could, no one could stand there and say they weren't showing partiality. But the same thing is for us today. A lot of us want to set ourselves up as, and I know I'm guilty of it, right? Of being too critical, set ourselves up as judges. And we need to pull the speck, the, the plank out of our own eye before we pull the speck out of another's. Sister Daniels, I see you off mute. Did you want to add something to that? I saw you come on mute for just a second. Yeah, I was just thinking of the, the verse just kept coming to my mind, be not wise in your own eyes. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt like it was kind of one of those things where um, because they were talking amongst themselves with like-minded people who thought like themselves, they could not see their error and their sin, the error of their ways. And so they thought themselves just. 
just enough to pull out this woman and do what they were doing. But that's that's a lesson to us also. I feel like, you know, come out to to, to hear someone else's opinion of you and, and, and of what you're doing outside of yourself. Don't always just think, you know, I'm justified in my own opinion. You know, because a lot of times that's where error can be because no one else is saying anything to you. You you think you're good, you know, and then when, when you know, you get, you're in shock when you hear, you know, a view from another perspective and how they're looking at you and how they're viewing the way you're carrying out your life. And I feel like that, that was, there was something like that in there. They couldn't see the wrong that they were doing, what their error was in all of this, but they could see hers. It was also obvious and it was out there physically for them to see, you know, but be not wise in your own eyes where it's like in your eyes, you're good you know, because yeah, but in the most high's eyes, it's it's like he's seeing sin. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Sister Daniels, can I, you know, thank you for that. That was a perfect bridge and segue uh, to the second uh, scripture I had here, uh, because what you're saying is they were hypocrites. <laughs> they were hypocrites. They're sitting here trying to administer this, this justice. And, you know, I say this about a lot of us, a lot of us, uh, you know, here in America, uh, you know, and just the diaspora in general are like, man, you know, we want justice, you know, uh, we wish the Lord would come and administer justice. A lot of times I'll say to folks, but are you sure? Because when he comes, he's going to hold account all flesh. Are you ready for justice? Are you ready for him to hold you accountable? Are you ready? Because if he gives it to America and to the leaders here and to our oppressors, he's going to, he's going to administer it on us as well, the judgment. So are you ready for that? Are you living a life that you understand that when you get judged, you know, will you, will you, uh, where will you end up in that judgment? And so when we call for justice, we need to be really careful because justice isn't partial. He's not going to judge the oppressor in that judge. Matter of fact, remember, we're held to the, to the highest of standards. <laughs> As Israelites, we're held to a standard that's much higher than anybody else in this, on this earth. And so, you know, when we call for justice, we need to really understand what we're doing, because when he comes and administers that justice, he burns up the whole earth. Uh, when that sun comes up, it's going to come up on all of us. So are you ready? Am I ready? Are we ready uh, for the Lord to come and administer justice? That's the question that I pose to all of us. Are we back in these statutes and commandments the way we're supposed to be so that when justice comes, we end up on the right side of it, of the judgment? Mm -hmm. That's a question that I pose to us. Um, Say I'm sorry, go ahead, Sister Daniels. I said, say la. That's yeah. a that's a, a thinking moment right there when you think about it. Cause I was just thinking oftentimes when I look at um, I see people who say they've been hurt by someone, you know, the person who hurt them oftentimes doesn't even realize that they've done the hurt. So they think they're good. They they don't think they've offended anyone. Sometimes even so that you'll bring it to them and they'll say, no, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, all I said was this, or all I did was this. So it's interesting how it's like, there's what you did and how you saw it. And then there is what actually occurred. And it's somewhere in between the two people and stuff. And, and the most high being a righteous judge, you know, it's not going to be about your feelings. You know, it's, it's going to be about what is, what is uh, about truth. It's going to be about truth, right? Like we can, we can think, oh, you know, going back to the story, oh, you know, uh, I think this and I want to know it's going to be about what's in this word. And that's how judgment is going to occur. But to connect to your previous points, Mr. Daniels, um, I wanted to show this verse as well, Matthew 23, 23, because exactly what you, what you said about uh, them being hypocrites here, you know, and a lot of times people are like, you know, the Lord is just all, you know, the Lord Yeshua is just all grace and he's all mercy. No, he's not. <laughs> he now he came and administered grace and mercy, 
but that's not all he is. Um, and, you know, when it comes to especially, again, to the Hebrews, to the Israelites, he, he is, you know, he, he holds a higher standard. But especially if you're a teacher, a teacher or, you know, um, you know, uh, a priest or whatever it is. Uh, and, you know, we're all held to that to that standard at this point. We're all supposed to be king, a royal priesthood. And so we're held to a higher standard. But here in Matthew 23, 23, here are the woes that he's given to the Pharisees. And this is one thing he says, and we'll pull out from this uh, piece about justice as well. He says in verse 23, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, exclaims it, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Man, woe to you, woe to you, for you have neglected the more important matters of the law. So a lot of folks will say, oh, well, the Old Test, the Old Testament, I'm speaking through the Christian perspective right here, the Old Testament, um, you know, that was all law. There was no room for grace and mercy or nothing else in there. It was all law. And then Yeshua, Jesus comes and brings grace and mercy. That's not true. Grace and mercy have always been. Matter of fact, they've been the focal point. Listen to what he says here again. But you have neglected, verse 23, the more important matters of the law. The more importance of the matters of the law weren't keeping the law word for word, tit for, tittle for tittle. It was justice, mercy, and faithfulness. There it is right there. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It has always been the way of Yah to show mercy. It's just that in the person of Yeshua, in the, in the Christ, it was perfected. And we saw a person do it. But it's always been. We've seen David get mercy again. We've seen every prophet, every uh, father, every everyone in the scripture got mercy at some point. They received, all of them have done things that were wrong and received mercy at some point. And so it's always been there from the jump. It has always been there. In justice, there is an element of mercy. But in justice, there will also be judgment. And so we have to keep that in mind. Zedek, Zedek. Justice, justice, you must pursue. Here is something that uh, I heard when I was a little bit younger. And I always, uh, I thought, you know, it was good food for thought of justice versus mercy versus grace. Justice is when you get what you deserve, right? And Sister East, you kind of spoke on that earlier. We want what we deserve. We want our 40 acres and our mule. We want the conversion of that. We want that kind of justice. And of course, when folks call for justice, it's usually a retaliation or, or a uh, retribution for an action that's happened. You know, uh, uh, my family member got murdered. I want justice for this. I want this person to end up in prison. I want, you know, to, to find, I want justice, right? Somebody gets what they deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve, right? So mercy is saying that, uh, you know, you deserve this thing, but I'm gonna forgive you anyway. You know, I know that, you know, you you, you committed this crime in, in, the, in the, the American criminal justice system, it has no room for mercy, right? If you murder somebody, then not, no one's gonna have a judgment that says, hey, we found the evidence, uh, you know, after preponderance of evidence, uh, you are guilty of this crime, like you committed this murder, we're gonna let you off this time, we'll give you mercy, we'll let you off free. That doesn't happen, right? There's no room for mercy in that system. But in, 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 the, in the theocratic system, there is room for mercy. 
we just see we see it right here in verse 23 justice mercy and faithfulness there have been so many times and in our own life we deserve death for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life we deserve death but we've instead we found mercy through um whether you want to say through the uh, mashiach or whether you want to say however you want to say it we found mercy in the torah in the person of the torah at the very least we found mercy but what is grace grace is when you get what you don't deserve so what grace says it says in the scriptures i will remove from you your in, in the psalms i will remove your sins as far as the east is from the west i won't even see them anymore so to get from mercy to grace grace is saying that not only will i give you not only will uh you get what you don't deserve but i won't even remember it i won't even hold the uh sentencing against you it's completely washed away or you're born new right there's grace you're born new i'm completely washing the old away it's not that you uh, i'm gonna say you know you got the sentencing but you know you receive no it's completely washed away and you're new right so that's why grace is the highest of these uh because it's you know what how how can we as human beings, even administer grace. Even when we forgive somebody, you know, we always say we forgive, but don't forget, you know, blah, 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 things like that. That's mercy, right? You forgive, but don't forget. And grace, you forgive and you forget. And that's that kind of, we talked about last, last week, that's that kind of love that I would probably advise my seed. I'm look, you know, if somebody do you wrong, you can't just keep letting them do you wrong. At some point, you know, you got that grace. That's that crazy love. That's that, that's that, uh, that's that love that goes above and beyond. That's that agape, that love that goes above and beyond. And even when you are dead wrong, it still comes for you. That's what grace is. Um, but okay, sister Easter, I know we here again, and I, I need like five more minutes. I just need like five more. I just got, I got to hit, you know, that was only chapter 16, a couple verses there, but it, th this parasha was so rich. There was so much yeah. to pull out of this. You um, need to see you, sir. Okay, it just I just you know I had to hit this one because this other one here, um, we always talk about the Messiah and the Messiah coming, um, etc. I just wanted to show because in this parasha is the verse where we see the basis for every person in the Brit Hadashah for all of them saying, "Are you the prophet?" We see we hear that a lot, but I don't think we understand what that refers to. So I just wanted to read this. And I'm not going to do an analysis on the scriptures as I plan to again. Uh, went a little long, but um, I at least want to read the verse so that, you know, if you are a believer in Mashiach, you can at least see what's going on when you read these scriptures where it's asking, are you the prophet? So uh, really quick, I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 18. I'm going to read the verse and then read how many times in the Brit Hadashah we see somebody referring to this exact verse right here. And so this is chapter 18 of Deuteronomy, and I'm going to read 15 through 19. I'm going to read 15 through 19 in chapter 18 of Deuteronomy. And again, there was a lot in here, y'all. There's so much in here, um, you know, that we're not going to get to. Uh, but just know that the that the overview of this uh, parasha was all about appointing judges and, um, and justice. So I'm actually going to start at verse, um, I'll start at verse 15, 15 through 19. The Lord your God... Well, remember, this is Moses speaking. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. So the prophet always has to come from our own tribe, right? From the Israelites. 
you must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see the great fire anymore, or we will die. And that's, if you want to check that out, that's Exodus 20. We read that every uh, Shabbat, uh, right after the Ten Commandments come. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, my God. He will call to account anyone that does not listen to the prophet. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. What we see here, it says, Moses says that, that the Lord will raise up one like him, a prophet that will command us. And then it also says, the Lord says to him, uh, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. Okay, so I wanted to quickly touch on this and show um, how many times in the Brit Hadashah it's connected back to this and how many folks, when you when you see these small statements, you might not understand exactly what they're speaking of, but this is the exact verse right here that they're speaking of. And so just a couple examples of that. First, John 121. First, John 121. So in John 121, what we see here. And this is when um, this is when they're talking to John the Baptist, right? And this is what he asked. And they asked him, actually, I'll start at verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. They asked him, are you the prophet? And we might have just glanced over that. I think they're just talking about a prophet in general. They are speaking directly to this verse that we just read in Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19. Are you the prophet that Moses spoke of? Are you the one that Moses promised us that will be raised up just like him that will be sent to us? So when we read this, it should be a direct correlation back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, 15 through 19. Are you the prophet, the one that was spoken of in Deuteronomy. And what does John say? He answered, no. So he said to them, who are you? We need an answer. And it keeps going on. And he tells them who he is. But when you see that word, are you the prophet? They are speaking of the prophet of Moses. Uh, let me clarify that here a couple passages later in John 145. So let me go down here to John 145. Actually, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to open it up in a new tab. But uh, John 145, we'll see again, and this is just a few verses later, uh, we'll see again where they're asking a similar question. But this idea of the prophet, it's not an isolated idea, or it's not just talking about the prophets in general. It's speaking directly to uh, this idea that Moses spoke of one that would come in his same uh, line and would be a prophet for the nations. So this, the context of this is when, you know, Yeshua is, is uh, getting his, is assembling his uh, apostles or his disciples. And so here is one account here. Philip found Nathan, in, uh, and again, this is John 145. Philip found Nathan Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Yeshua of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 
we have found the one who Moses wrote about. When they say that, they're speaking directly to Deuteronomy chapter 18, 15 through 19. That is where Moses wrote about him, right? That is the place where Moses wrote about him, which takes us directly back to that verse right there. Again, we'll find this in John 6. So let me go there next. And John 6, we'll also find the same language. And again, hey, I just want to point Rabbi, this out. So, about how we're waiting for a prophet now. We're waiting for a prophet now to come to. And, and so what are we, we're waiting for his second coming. If, if you believe that, that Yeshua was uh, the Mashiach who was promised, and then we know that he comes twice. So we, we had his first coming, waiting for his second coming. But I just wanted to point out that um, when that when this verse is said, it's not a verse in isolation. It's a verse that's going directly back to the Torah and to the law, right? Going right back to the Torah and to the law. John 6, chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 14. After the people saw the signs Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Whenever you see the prophet, they're talking about Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19. Yeshua, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So they understood. And, and this, you know, to this day, uh, for traditional Jews and for us as Hebrew Israelites, we should be set at, at the Passover. We should be setting out a cup for Elijah because, you know, Elijah predates the prophet that is to come. And so we're trying to usher in the, the messianic age. Put the screen right? on you, please, Minister Griff. I have a couple more verses I want to go through really quick before I put the screen back okay, on. Okay, sorry about that. Go ahead. No worries. And then also, let me go here and say, and show this one as well. In Acts 3, 22 through 23, we see this once again. Moses said, the Lord raised up for you. And again, this is where you clearly see it, right? Where in Acts, uh, I, think, I believe this is Peter saying this, but he literally gives you uh, the verse where it comes from. Again, this is Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul do not, who does not listen to that prophet will be destroyed from the people. Again, when we talk to Christians and they say, oh, you know, uh, I, I have freedom in Christ, so I have to keep the law. That is not true. It's one law, one teaching for everybody. And we see it right here in the foundation of the church that Yeshua was the prophet as laid out by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And his words are from the Torah. His commandments are from the Torah. So if you say, if he says, well, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He's saying, if you love me, you'll keep Torah. And yeah, there's grace, you know, uh, there's grace and there's mercy. There's those things that are, that are in effect, just like they've always been. But that does not give us an excuse as either native born Israelites or as those who are being grafted in through, uh, you know, the Christian, whatever it is everyone there's one law one teaching we should all be keeping shabbat we should all be keeping passover we should all be keeping these things because yeshua is in the line of moses he is the one that moses said the lord god will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers you shall listen to him whatever he tells you he only told you the torah he owned everything he spoke everything he did was to fulfill the torah so how can we say we're keeping his commandments? How can we say we're listening to him if we're not going back to the Torah? 
that would be my question for everybody out there, both Israelite and Christian, whoever else. Let me just give one more here. Uh, so let me give one more and then um, I'll go ahead and wrap it up for today. The last one here is from Acts 7, from Acts chapter 7. So let me give this one really quick and then we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Acts chapter 7, verses 37 through 38. You'll again see that every time Yeshua is spoken of as the prophet, he, it's the prophet that Moses spoke about here in Deuteronomy 18. Acts 7, 37 through 38. It says, this is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. But I'm going to read a little bit further here. But our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him. And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt. My God. They refuse to obey him. The Catholic Church has twisted these scriptures and gotten us to refuse to obey the prophet. Because now we say, oh, there's freedom in Christ, so I can eat all the pork I want to eat, and I can run and do these things and do those things, and I'll just, I, if I just repent, I'll receive grace and mercy. That is a misinterpretation of the scriptures. If you are willfully doing things that you know are against the Torah and against the scriptures and against the teachings of Mashiach, Yeshua, if you're intentionally doing that, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. It says that in Hebrews 10. At a certain point, you have to take accountability for who you are in the word. God has called us to be a, a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. He set us apart. That's not to do whatever we want to do. That's not to be out here uh, making money in whatever way you want to make and just saying, you know, that the that the ends justify the means. The end never justifies the means. It's time to come back to these statutes and commandments. For my Christians out there, it's time to come back to these statutes and commandments. For my Israelites, especially for us, because we have a covenant. When we transgress that covenant, we receive the curse. It's time to come back to these statutes and commandments. If we're talking about Yeshua, Yeshua came in the word. He's the one that Moses spoke of, the one that was that was raised up for us from our own people to be able to tell us how to keep the law and how to keep the covenants. We have to stop transgressing his words. We have to, as both Christians and especially for Israelites because of the covenant, we have to stop transgressing his words. Christians, y'all are grafted in. And y'all become native-born sons if you're grafted in. So if you become as a native, that means you have the same law and the same teachings. Israelites, time to reclaim our heritage. Go back to our first love, to our laws and to our teachings. That's the only way our community is going to come back to what it's supposed to be. Take your screen down, please, so we can see you. Thank you. It's not going to be, we can we can go out there and we can, you know, uh, fight for social justice all we want. We can go out there and do all these things. And there is a place for that, right? We should always be pursuing justice. But nothing's going to change until we come back to these laws and these commandments, these statutes and these commandments. And we may not be perfect. God doesn't call us, he calls us to be blameless. To be blameless. Once you know it is wrong, do it no more. That was the way of old. 
that was the way of, I mean, Abraham did many things that were, that were, uh, you know, I wouldn't say considered sin just yet because the, because the law hadn't, uh, had been, hadn't been administered just yet, but he did many things that were, uh, against what would eventually be the law. So did Joseph. So did, so did Mo, I mean, Moses himself didn't make it into the promised land for a certain reasons. So we're not called to be perfect, but we're called to be blameless. Once you know it is unrighteousness, stop doing it. Once you've heard better, you do better. Be not just hearers, but doers of the word. And so this entire parasol is about justice. It's about judges and justice. And the question for you is, are you going to pursue justice? Are you going to pursue the words of the Torah? Because justice is there. Are you going to pursue mercy in that and not be the one who thinks that you are the judge that can administer the law? That is not your place. That is the place of Yeshua, the Mashiach. He's the one alone who can administer justice. Mm -hmm. He's the one who will administer the final justice amongst us. So don't be the person that is going around judging everybody. Meet folks where they are. Wherever they are, meet them there and have mercy and show them the path, show them the way back to their first love. Don't be the person that's sitting there judging our community for whatever's going on. Instead, be the person that shows mercy and administers justice. Mm -hmm. And with that said, Sister Easter, I'll go ahead and pass it back over. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Minister Griff, for the good news. He spread the good news. That's what it says we're here to do. We can't do no more but to spread the good news and the mercy that forgiven and God's grace that agape love. You're not going to find it anywhere else. Look for who comes your help. Yahweh's grace and mercy. Um, he's giving you the word. I, I wish, Minister Griff, you can start doing a, a Bible study every week. So put that on your heart, because I know we used to have a line where uh, you can call into. So that would be good. And I would be willing to sponsor that line if you like. Um, that's what the spirit was telling me as you were speaking. You're such a great teacher and we thank you. Um, we thank all the ministers, uh, singers, the fivefold that's on the panel. Also, he he taught he taught us some words. You should be writing it down. I'm learning. I'm writing the words down. Mayim, water, he gave us. Shoting, uh, judges, Safar, the Sofar, the, the book, it means. Um the the rayah the see or behold in the zadet justice i'm writing them down we've given you words in the in the past minister mike i mean it's all here we're giving it to you are you going to receive it is the question and so uh we love you all we thank you for tuning in uh sister daniel if you can go ahead and close us out please Praise Yah, everyone. Praise Everyone ought to praise him and give him praise. Amen. We just want to thank you, Yah, for your goodness and your mercy and your glory. We just want to thank you because you've shined your light upon us and because you've awoken us and because you've counted it not robbery to, to have us experience you. We give you glory, we give you honor and praise, and we just want to lift our voices unto you and just sing a little bit of this song. And most of you probably know this, whether you're from the Israelite space or the Christian space, you've probably heard it somewhere. 
And it's just as simple as this. I love you, yeah. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh my soul. Rejoices, take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound. In your ear, one more time. I love you, yeah, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. Rejoices, take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. We exalt thee, we exalt thee, we exalt thee, oh yeah, with all our hearts we want to praise you. Hallelujah. 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 For you're worthy. Hallelujah, of all the glory, the honor, and the praise, hallelujah. Lord, we bless your name, we bless your name, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Yeah, we love you. Yeah, we love you. 
And as we touch you, our Lord, we pray, oh, Father, that our steps will be ordered by you. Hallelujah. We glorify your name. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Glory. And now let the people of Yah say, Amen and hallelujah. 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 And may his praises continually be in our mouths. Hallelujah. 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 We thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. 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 We all seeing over the fence today. We thank you, whole whole shit. Hey, thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. As we're going into our new year. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have awakened. Thank you. Our spirits are quickened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. It's for us to give and for you to receive. He has woke. He has risen. Hallelujah. No more institutional race racism. Looking for that social justice. We've we've is all laid before you right here. We thank you, Lord. This, this is just an awesome day. I don't even want to turn this off. It, it's 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 just so awesome. Everything that's come out, everything that was given to you. Play it again and again. Listen, go to that next level. He's taking it to another level. We thank you for the prayers. They went to another level. The praise, me getting up, I'm stiff in, in, in my body, but it, it just takes you to a whole nother level in your spirit, circumcision of the heart. We ask that you share. We look forward to seeing you next Saturday. We pray that you have a good week and we'll see you next Saturday. We love you. Shalom. 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 Hallelujah.